Our reading this evening is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is God's word for us tonight. Thanks, Kathy. Good evening, everybody. Let's pray, shall we, as we come to, to God's word. Father, we thank you that Jesus has revealed yourself to us. We thank you that he came to this earth, he lived on this earth, he lived a perfect life. Thank you that he died in our place. And Father, may we turn our eyes to, to you now. May we know Jesus more clearly. And as we do so, Lord, may you increase our trust in you and take away our fear, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder what have been the most frightening situations you've experienced in your lives where you felt totally out of control. I'm sure for many of you it will be some sort of storm, or as it's described in this passage, a furious squall, which is quite a good description, isn't it? Because a storm, um, it feels like someone is being angry furious towards you. They're attacking all your senses. The deafening loudness of the thunder, the blinding brightness of, of the lightning, the force of the wind, the, the drenching sense of the rain. Together, it can be terrifying. I've been on the top of a mountain and seen a, a black wall of, of cloud approaching, and I've known that uh, within minutes uh, the wind the driving rain will make you feel you're going to be swept off the mountain. And as is usually the case with us, that we haven't got the right gear and are soaked through to the skin. But in a light aircraft and seen again a black wall of cloud ahead. And it's felt like we were in a tin can being thrown around the sky. Been in a small boat in a storm with waves coming over the sides and wondering whether we would stay afloat. And in each case, the feeling was, was awe at the power of nature and a recognition of just how weak and vulnerable we are as human beings. It was a feeling of being out of control. I guess to a certain extent, all of us like to be in control of our lives, to, to feel safe. And so when things start to go wrong and we're powerless to do anything about it, when we've lost control, it can be frightening. But the question Jesus asks his disciples and asks us too 
that we've read in this passage is, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? What he means is, do you still have no faith in me? And that question deals with the heart of the issue we've been uh, considering in the series of Mark's Gospel. Who is Jesus and can we trust him? The twelve disciples have given up everything to, to follow Jesus, but at this stage they haven't fully grasped who Jesus is and why he came. Jesus is revealing more and more of himself to them through, through his teaching and through his actions. And these, you recall, are some of the things that we've learned about Jesus in this series so far. He's the one who has brought good news. He's the one who teaches with authority. He is the healer, the one who forgives, the one who eats with sinners. He's the Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of God. He's the one who's told parables. And in the episode we're looking at this evening, we will see that he is also the one with authority over creation. But more importantly, what we will see is that we don't need to be afraid because Jesus cares and Jesus is in control. And therefore, we can put our trust in him. So let's look at each of those two points. First of all, we don't need to be afraid because Jesus cares. The story opens in verse 35 with the words, That day when evening came been a hard day. Jesus had spent the whole day teaching, telling parables, explaining them. And there was such a crowd that he'd been forced to get into a, a boat and preach from the boat. And so no wonder as evening came, he needed a rest. Just needed to get away. Sometimes in his ministry, he would go up to a mountain and be on his own to pray. This time he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side the other side of the lake. Lake Galilee is not huge. It's about 13 miles long, eight miles across. But um, the type of boat would have been something like this one in the famous uh, painting by Rembrandt with uh, two pairs of oars and a small sail. It would take quite a while to get across, giving Jesus the chance to get a bit of a kip during the crossing and leave the sailing or the rowing to the disciples. I'm sure they'd have been quite happy to do that. After all, many of them used to be fishermen before they gave that up to follow Jesus and probably would have appreciated the chance to get, get back in in a boat. And there were other boats there as well, we're told, so they obviously felt confident all going across. But verse 7 says, Suddenly a furious squall came up. It's quite common for a wind to get up on the Lake of Galilee. Apparently it's to do with the fact that uh, it's the lowest freshwater lake in the earth, 200 meters below sea level. It's in the Jordan Rift Valley surrounded by hills. So these sailors would have been used to strong winds, but this wasn't just the normal strong wind. This was a furious squall. There was no indication it was on its way, otherwise they probably wouldn't have set off. But it's so bad, as we see in the picture there, the waves would have been crashing over the boat and filling it up. It was about to sink. They felt like they were going to go down with it. They felt helpless. There was nothing they could do. And they were afraid for their lives. In 2005, you may remember Ellen MacArthur became the the fastest solo sailor to sail around the world. She knows what it's like to be in a storm. Deep in the Pacific Ocean, 2,500 miles from Kep Horn, having battled for three days to keep her yacht 
from capsizing in horrendous storms, she shouted over the satellite link, we're on the edge of control. This is very frightening. Well, not only were the disciples frightened, they were also pretty miffed at Jesus. All hands on deck is a, a phrase that's been borrowed from the, the world of sailing. It's now used in any situation where everybody's help is required. And in the situation, the disciples were desperately bailing out water for their lives. And where was Jesus? Where we're told in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, seemingly oblivious to everything that was going on. And the disciples were probably thinking, well, it's all well and good being a good teacher, a healer and a performer of miracles, but what are you going to do to help us now? And so they wake him. And say to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Because he's not yet done anything to help them in this specific situation, they've jumped to the conclusion that he just doesn't care. The fact is they haven't actually even asked him for help yet. So what does he do when they wake him? Well, it says in verse 39, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He showed them that he did care by calming the storm and saving their lives. But what if he hadn't come to their immediate rescue? Would that have meant that he, that he didn't care? We are sometimes quite quick to assume that God doesn't care when he doesn't sort out our immediate problem. Or even just the fact that he's allowed us to face a hopeless situation in the first place must mean he doesn't care. Sometimes Jesus just wants us to, to call out to him, to acknowledge our dependence on him for all things. Not just the, the big emergency situations that are outside of our control, but the small things of life. But what about when he doesn't intervene? When, what if he hadn't calmed the storm here? Would that have meant that he didn't care? Well, the fact that Jesus should be on the earth in the first place shows that he must care. The fact that he gave up the majesty of heaven, that he came down, he experienced the indignity of being a human with all the weaknesses of human beings shows he must care. The fact that he's with them in the boat during the storm shows he must care. And to know he's with us each day is a wonderful comfort to us. But what about those situations where we where we have called out to him persistently and he hasn't seemingly answered. Does that mean he doesn't care? How long must I put up with this, this illness? How long can I keep on caring for this loved one who's, who's so unwell? How long can I keep going in my workplace with a boss who has no respect for me? How long can I keep going in a marriage with a spouse who does not love me? How long do I have to live on my own for? God, don't you care? Well, there's nothing wrong with expressing what we're feeling. After all, that is what we find in many of the Psalms. The Psalm is crying out to God, How long, O God? How long? And God looks at a world that humans are trying desperately hard to keep control of. He sees them trying to control COVID. He sees them trying to control the war in Ukraine. 
He sees them trying to control crime in, in every city of the world. He sees them trying to control poverty, to control climate change. And he knows that despite all humankind's commendable efforts, it is outside our control because everything in the world has been affected by sin. A man cannot do anything about sin. And God could just wash his hands of us and say, well, that's their problem now. Let them get on with it. They chose what uh, they want to do. They had to control their own lives. They thought they knew best. But instead, he has compassion on us, like sheep without a shepherd. And he deals with the problem, not by coming and fixing every individual symptom of that problem, Every situation of brokenness in our lives, that will be like getting the builder in to fix your damp patch every time a new one appeared without getting to the root of the cause of the problem. No, caring doesn't mean that God intervenes every time his people suffer. But what God has done is to deal with the cause of our problem, our sin. And the way he ultimately deals with, with sin is sending Jesus to take the guilt and the punishment for all of that sin all that stuff that's destroying this world on himself. The reason Jesus is there in the boat with the disciples is because he cares. He's not some absent God who, who makes the world, winds it up, sets it off, and then says, well, I'll see you later. No, he comes into the world. He tells people personally that he has come to save them. He has come that they may have eternal life. And what eternal life means is not just living forever, as some people would like to do in this world, but looking forward to a day when this world, with all its pain and suffering, will disappear and be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth, where God will dwell with his people without any tears, without any fear, where we will see God in all of his glory. That's what Jesus has come to do. But at this stage of the story, the disciples haven't yet fully understood that. So what else do they learn from this episode that means they don't need to be afraid? Well, they and we don't need to be afraid because Jesus is in control. Jesus got up, told the storm to stop, and it did. To the disciples, it was this fierce, terrifying thing. To Jesus, it's simply like telling a dog, down boy. All it needs is Jesus to say, quiet, be still. And it says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. It wasn't that the wind died down a little bit, but there was no wind at all. The waves that were threatening to engulf the boat disappeared. The lake became like a mill pond. I don't know whether you've seen that uh, before. When you go to see the sea one day, uh, there's huge waves crashing against the rocks. Uh, and the next day, it's as if it's calm as anything. But Jesus made that happen from one second to the next. And he was proving a point that he is God. And that is God, he is in control of, he has authority over the world that he created. He's in control of the weather, the environment, illness war. Of course, being in control doesn't mean that the world is as he would like it to be. Sin has affected the whole of the creative world, as we've said. But God is still sustaining it. 
and has the power to intervene to prevent further death and destruction when he chooses to do so. We don't know why God intervenes in some situations and not others, but but knowing he could intervene, if it is for our good, if it is his will, is an amazing source of comfort. Because only he is an all-knowing and all-wise God. Why does it matter that he can control the, the wind and the waves? Well, because if he has authority over creation, then it means that we can trust him. It means that if he is in control... We don't need to be. We can be obsessed with putting sandbags around our lives, trying to remain in control of everything that happens to us, avoiding any unexpected problems. We can take out insurance to protect our homes, our cars, our health, almost anything. We can buy cars with airbags or the latest gadget that senses something ahead breaks automatically. We can protect our children by keeping them locked up inside, dropping them off at the school gate so they don't get run over. The trouble is, the more we become obsessed with our physical and material safety, and the more we try and control it, it doesn't mean we become any less afraid. It often means the opposite. Because we become more aware of all the risks, all the things outside of our control. It's not the storms of life that we should be afraid of. It's not accidents, illness, financial ruin, not even death. It's God. Look at the reaction of the disciples to what Jesus did when he commanded the storm to stop, and it did immediately. It says in verse 41, they were terrified. They were afraid when the storm was raging, but they're even more afraid now because they've witnessed a power that is greater even than that of the storm, that of God himself. Reminds us of the story of Jonah, remember, who ran away from God. He got on a a ship bound for Tarshish. The Lord sends a storm that threatens to break up the ship. And Jonah eventually confesses to the rest of the crew there that, yes, it's because of him that the storm has come and tells the other sailors to throw him overboard. And they very reluctantly do so. And we're told that that the raging sea grew calm. Do you remember what the reaction was of the sailors? Was it relief? Well, no, it was the same reaction of the disciples in this story. We're told there in the story of Jonah, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And so the real question we should be asking this evening is not, God, don't you care? Or can't you do something about this thing going on in my life? But the same question the disciples asked, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. If he has such power, then what we need to know is, is he going to use that power for us or is he going to use it against us? In Luke 12, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. 
Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. On the one hand, Jesus is saying, fear God. But on the same breath, he's saying, don't be afraid. How do, how do we reconcile those two? Well, the worst thing that can happen to us in this life is that we die prematurely. For some people, that may be death through illness. It may be an accident. It may be a violent death. If we belong to Jesus, then we, we don't need to be afraid of that happening because we have an eternity to look forward to with him in all his glory. If we don't belong to Jesus, then death is a frightening prospect. Because as Jesus says, he has the authority and the power to throw us into hell. Which is a punishment we all deserve for rejecting his authority over our lives. As a thief on the cross next to Jesus said to the other thief, he said, don't you fear God? Not fear in the sense of, of an evil tyrant out to get you, but in the sense of a perfect impartial judge before whom we will all one day stand and give an account. And that's why Jesus asks the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, if you know who I am and you trust in me, then you know that I love you, you know that I want the best for you, and you don't need to be afraid because perfect love drives out fear. And on that judgment day when we appear before the throne of God, we can point to the cross and say, I believe that Jesus went there for me. I believe that because of him I have been forgiven for all of my sins. And his righteousness has been credited to me. As it says in Psalm 40, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, who do we say that Jesus is? If we believe that he is the Son of God, if we have put our trust in him, then we have nothing to be afraid of in this life. Not even death. Because death is the gateway to perfect joy, to pure bliss. When not only will we experience no more pain or suffering, we'll also experience no more fear, no more temptation. Sin will be wiped out forever. So as we finish, at one level, I've made two very simple points this evening about Jesus. We don't need to be afraid because Jesus cares and Jesus is in control. The question is, how are we going to hold on to those truths in the week ahead when we face that situation that is outside our control, that we cannot do anything about? And we do start to become afraid. Well, the answer is in the words of that last song we sang, to turn our eyes to Jesus. To be filled with fear or reverent awe at who he is and the terrifying power that he has and put your trust in him. And as you do so, pray that that issue that you're dealing with will take on a different perspective. I don't want to minimize the real struggles that some of you will be facing. 
or the real fear that you may be experiencing, but to encourage you to take it to Jesus and to entrust it into his hands and look at it in the context of eternity and the joy that Jesus has promised us if we put our trust in him. And keep hold of that verse from Psalm 40 this week. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Let's pray. Father God, you know our lives, you know what we're going through at this time. You know, for some people here and in our church, there are some real storms that they are struggling against. Lord, we pray that you would help us see that we don't need to be afraid because you do care and you've shown us the way you do care. You've shown us as Jesus came into this world to deal with our biggest problem. And we thank you that you are in control, that you are all-powerful. And so, Lord, help us to trust in you Help us to know that you are there for us. You are not against us. And Lord, help us to look ahead to an eternity with you where there will be no storms and there will be no fear. There will be no suffering. Lord, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on the joy before us. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'd like to to pray about what you've heard this evening or anything else that's on your heart, thinking of uh, giving our anxieties, our worries, our concerns to the Lord, then please do encourage one another, ask one another, how can I pray for you, maybe for things for the week ahead. Um, Please do pray for one another as we we close. As we close, let me just leave you with that verse that Neil mentioned there. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Amen.